Hey guys, I'm Rhea Fry, best-selling author, business owner, wife, mother, but most of all, I'm a human. And I'm Joe Tower, entrepreneur, producer, editor, husband, son, and I am also a human. As writers, we're always digging behind the story of publishing, ego, process, to get to the deeper truth of who we are and why we're here. While we're still pursuing that mission of the Right Way podcast, we wanted a platform where we could talk about being writers as well as being human. Now we'll be spending each episode talking with real people about real shit. This is the real story. Well, we're just going to do this. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Story uh, by Right Way. Um, I'm Joe. Guys, how are you? Um, and I'm on the mic alone today and feeling very uncomfortable and self-conscious about it. To be frank, um, this room, the acoustics are not great in this new room. Um, and I think you can hear my laundry in the background. Um my washer and dryer, because it is laundry day. Uh, shocking. Because it's Saturday before the Tuesday release. Um, and there are a number of reasons that uh, I'm recording this so soon before it drops and I'm on the mic alone. Um, one of which is to give poor Rhea a break. Because um, as many of you know, it's been a kind of um, touch and go uh, year. I mean, for all of us, uh, but for me. Um, so she's been on the mic solo and she does it so good. And I don't even know what I'm doing here. Um, and, uh, she was on vacation with her family this week and I was like, I'll take care of it. I'll take care of it. Um, we'll get some content. And then I just didn't. And now it's Saturday and I'm like, holy shit. And, uh, so here I am on the mic. And I think, I don't know what this is about, um, but I think it's about survival because we're all surviving, trying to survive. I know I am. Um, and I would not presume to speak for anybody else's situation. Maybe you're thriving. You certainly are. I'm sure of it. Um, and I hope so. Um, but I think this is about survival. Initially, I wanted it to be about this concept of, of, uh, of fighting ghosts um, as it relates specifically to... Um, the pursuit of self-empowerment and self-improvement and how sometimes it can feel like fighting ghosts. Um, and I'll mention briefly why that is in a moment. Um, but I guess this gives me the opportunity to kind of hold you all captive. Um, and because it helps to talk about it, I'm sure this is a weird version of therapy for me. Um, we've mentioned it on the podcast before, but um, as many of you, most of you know, my wife was diagnosed with uh, a, a kind of blood cancer called acute lymphoblastic leukemia back in December. Um, and we um, uprooted and relocated in rapid fashion because her treatment um, treatment for that, this aggressive cancer was, um, it was required uh, as soon as possible. Um, so basically how that went down, um, and this is really like an ode, a tribute to my wife and her kind of grace and resiliency because there are days um, for all of us. There are certainly days for me when I'm tired and done. And, you know, we reflect because sometimes when we're in the midst of the struggle, um, we tend not 
it's like when you're driving in a car and um, the uh, the line on the road and 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 the fence on the farm and the trees that are close pass by really quickly, kind of in a blur. Um, we don't really notice until we get that moment to reflect and say, "What the fuck is happening in my life?" So I know that happens to me, and I can't imagine um, what it means for her. Uh, and to give you a little background on that, my wife is 34, um, and she is originally from Budapest, Hungary. We met a few years ago. We were working for the same company. She was based in Budapest. I was based in Los Angeles. She was an account manager. I was a producer. And we had to trade some logistical emails for a particular project, and we fell madly in love. Um, we were living in two separate countries, thousands of miles apart, eight-hour time difference, and we quietly endured that through the bulk of quarantine. Um, we met in person for the first time the, in February uh, of 2020, right before, um, right before everything kind of shut down. And we weren't even certain when we would be able to see each other again. And it turned out not to be till August of that year um, when there was that pocket of, um, of kind of a, uh, a valley um, in, in, in COVID numbers and we met in, in Mexico and each time, of course we met and each time we spoke it, you know, especially in person, it further confirmed to both of us, um, that this was worth pursuing. Um, we also endured the <laughs> seemingly insurmountable, um, clerical challenge of the U S immigration, a uh, USCIS, a uh, U.S. immigration and, um, citizenship and customs paperwork, this just absolute quagmire of this web of fucking bullshit uh, that this country puts people trying to become citizens here through. Um, that is just nothing shy. It's still archaic. The process is still archaic. And of course, Trump being the just absolute obtuse, racist, uh, xenophobic piece of shit that he is uh, undercut um, the budget, uh, and the operations of USCIS. So there are, there are literally thousands of people awaiting, um, certain, uh, crossing certain, um, hurdles in the citizenship process that are just marooned, um, because of that, that guy. Um, but that's a topic for perhaps a different podcast even. Um, and we, we got through that and she was able to come on a, a tourist visa at the beginning of last year for a few months. And then we had, we had by that point, we had put in, um, filed our paperwork for a fiance visa. And luckily, by strokes of luck, and you know, this is a stroke of luck. I, I said it. I said the word that I hate so much. And uh, that's something... Uh, that I'm going to uh, discuss. I would love to discuss on a different podcast the difference between feeling lucky and feeling grateful because um, they're two completely different things and I think luck is fucking whack. I think luck is, uh, to show off my 90s kid vibes, um, luck is just uh, a, a, a fallacy um, and and no way to count your blessings. Um, but we, by... We are very grateful to have uh, for the process to have been rather expeditious for us. So she was able to get her paperwork. She was able to come back over, and we got married this last summer. And 
So to put that in perspective, my wife grew up in Budapest. She lived in Budapest. She worked in Budapest. She went to school there. She taught there. Um, her family is there. And she surrendered everything. She sold her flat. She, she packed her bags. She sold stuff. She um, said goodbye. Um, she gave it all up to come over here. Um, and we um, were establishing ourselves in a small town in southwest Colorado called Durango. Lovely town. We love it so much. We're heartbroken not to be there anymore. We had a wonderful little house, little duplex with an unbelievable view of um, the gorgeous Animus Valley out the back. And um, she had, by the end of the year, uh, she had obtained a work visa. Um, she'd been offered a job, and then she ended up uh, leveling up and getting another job as a communication specialist with a not-for-profit um, in, the, in the Four Corners region. And um, we had, uh, my family had moved there, my parents were there, my sister and, my nie and our niece are, are there, um, uh, lived there as well. We had this like perfect, um, really wonderful family unit. Um, and we, we were just loving the lifestyle. And we went on a trip to Chicago for a little bit of work and a little bit of fun. And she started to not feel well. Uh, we were in the Art Institute in Chicago and she started to get um, hot and out of breath. And um, two days later, we came back to Colorado. We flew back to Colorado. And that week, she also was having, you know, was getting winded, coming up a flight of stairs. And uh, this is a woman who is a uh, a, a, a runner, a daily runner, um, just a, an absolute total active person. Um, and uh, she was getting out of, you know, she was losing breath, taking a shower, uh, washing her hair. Um, and then she started to develop these mysterious bruises all over her legs. And by the weekend, we were concerned. And so we went to an urgent care and they were clearly concerned and they sent some labs over to the ER uh, in Durango. And we got a call at nine o'clock on Sunday night, uh, I think Sunday night, December 19th. Um, nine o'clock and it was a doctor over at the ER in Durango. She's God bless her. She saved our life. Uh, my wife's life. Um, and she said, your labs are not good. Um, pack your bag. Um, is your husband there? Bring him with, um, plan on staying and don't take more than an hour. So in the middle of the night, after five months or whatever, trying to um, rebuild a life in this country, which the country, the government itself, doesn't make it easy, and then socially, and and uh, it's it's also not easy, and and financially, it's of course not easy, and um, we packed a small bag for my wife, and we drove to the ER in the middle of the night, and. Uh, the doctor there told us that it was probably leukemia, um, most likely. And when we asked what else it could be, she said she shook her head. Um, and uh, she left the room with the nurse, and my wife called her mother in Hungary and told her that she had cancer, um, which I can't imagine. I don't know how you... I don't know how you say that. I don't know how you hear that. Um, 
And then they airlifted her to Denver because the doctor at the ER said, we have to get you someplace where they can treat you. Because Durango's a relatively small and kind of remote town, and they, they didn't have... I mean, for instance, my wife couldn't be airlifted until she received an IV of, of cryo uh, uh, blood product, which um, helps your fibrinogen, your ability to, to clot, which my leukemia, that's one of the things that leukemia affects, your ability to clot, which is why... Uh, the complications from leukemia are, are a bleed or a stroke. Um, and, uh, they were down to the last bag. So my wife got like the last bag of, of cryo. I know I shouldn't say luck, but, um, and, uh, she got that IV and then they put on a plane and they flew to Denver. And then the next morning, you know, first thing, uh, I drove up and, I had an, a quick couple hours overnight packing more of her stuff, packing some of my stuff at our home. Uh, which was, you know, it was a week before Christmas, so it was still decorated for Christmas. Um, and I left at dawn the next morning with my father. And that was the last time that we, either of us saw that house. But it was the last time that my wife, Anna, saw the only home in the U.S. she'd known up to that point. Um, and then we were in a hospital for 40 days, almost 40 days, 37 days. Um, and, you know, uh, making preparations to, to relocate with the help of, of family and friends and our, our tremendous support network. Um, and, uh, you know, in, 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 the, in the, that's in the shadow of her, uh, diagnosis of, uh, of ALL and, um, Embarking on what is considered to be one of the most rigorous uh, chemo protocols um, that exist. It's, it lasts three years. It's five phases, five courses. Um, there are dozens, a dozen or more different uh, types of chemo medication that she gets, um, which doesn't include um, procedures like ultrasounds and lumbar punctures and the insertion of a pick line or the removal of a pick line or the insertion of a power port in her chest um, so they have better access to IVs, oral medication, antifungals, antivirals, antibiotics, um, medicine for nausea, uh, you know, medicine to regulate uh, X, medicine to, you know, magnesium, calcium, um, um, Lumbar punctures, uh, you know, for a while she was getting weekly lumbar punctures because leukemia can make the jump into the spinal fluid. So they have to make a lumbar puncture, check the fluid, and um, um, inject a, a chemo into the spinal fluid. Um, and uh, which is, you know, this is a portion of the arsenal um, used to fight many kinds of cancer. Obviously there's, you know, there's oral chemo, there's, there's uh, targeted chemo, there's surgery, uh, in some cases when it's, when it's justified, um, uh, radiation, et cetera. Um, so meanwhile, that's the, the, the Leviathan in this whole, uh, just looming over us is her enduring this. Um, and, um, you know, eternal gratitude that, um, uh, in the first 30 days after the first end of the first course, the goal is induced remission. That's they, they just pound your body with steroids and, um, and chemo in an attempt to induce 
remission and, and we did it and we, she was able to move on. She did it and she was able to move on to the next course. Um, you know, if not, they would have to discuss a kind of a different approach. Um, so she was able to, to move on to the next course, but as our, our doctor, as her doctor, um, her wonderful doctor and team at the Colorado Blood Cancer Institute here in Denver uh, at Presbyterian St. Luke's Hospital. We just can't say enough about uh, where we've ended up. And, and we, we can't say enough good. Um, her doctor said, you know, as, as you move into the next course of chemo, it's in the cancer's in remission. The, muta the, the DNA mutation that, that causes the cancer is not detectable. But we have to keep going. We have to keep going for almost three more years with this chemo, this treatment, um, because we're we're fighting ghosts. Because you know, when you have a um, an infestation in your house, when you have a cockroach infestation, say, you don't kill all the cockroaches you see and then throw up your hands and say, "Well, I got them. Infestation's over." You know, you check everywhere and. And maybe you fumigate and, and, and so on and so forth. And so, you know, that's what they're doing, but they're fighting ghosts. So going into this last, we just are finishing the second course, which was very, was tough for her, for both of us. Um, but obviously for her, um, we have this argument all the time. And, uh, you know, this is a, a, an ode to all caregivers out there. We, uh, we feel largely ashamed um, of our own needs and ashamed, um, of the hardship we feel, um, because our loved one is enduring what they're enduring. So it's a, it's a trap and we're reckoning with it all the time. And, um, my wife endured this very difficult second course. And, um, then, you know, we're, we're stepping out potentially onto the third course here in the next couple weeks. And, Throughout these periods, it continues to be kind of a more of a mental game. Um, because if the cancer is quote unquote gone, you're fighting a ghost. And um, that was supposed to kind of, initially, that was supposed to kind of be the topic of uh, my topic idea for the podcast was what we've, what we were kind of enduring this year. And all of the parts of it, there are a lot of parts, um, too many to get into on, a, in trying to keep this under 30 minutes or so. Um, you, 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 you learn a lot of lessons or you start to see a lot of lessons if you can be awake for it. And I think there are times where you just can't, um, you know, we, we've talked to a lot of people and we've seen a lot of stuff already. We, you know, we spent over a month in an oncology ward, um, lived there basically. And, you know, the other half of whatever point I'm trying to make is this difference between luck and gratitude. You just absolutely can't ever measure your, where you're at with anybody else. Doesn't matter if it's for the good or for the bad. Um, never compare yourself. Um, cause that's not gratitude when you, when we say, and luck has come up a number of times for us and I'm, I'm very, I resent it and I resent that I used it on this podcast and 
I really want to edit edit, uh, edit out me saying it because I'm trying to edit it out of my vocabulary. Um, a couple of the, the doctors uh, that we encountered over the course of my wife's treatment have referred to her diagnosis as bad luck, which I think is great on one level because what, what they're, sorry, I just bumped the tripod. What they're, what they're trying to do is recuse her of any responsibility for the, for the diagnosis. Like it's nothing you did. And to be fair, you know, with diseases like that, with diseases like this, epi, you know, um, stuff that appears, particularly cancer is this bizarre, bizarre, like that comes, it gets, it, it's this foreign element that comes from our own bodies. It's, fu it, 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 which is fucked up. And I think it, it, it fucks us up. Um, so we need to know that it's nothing you did. I, I, I read an unbelievable post uh, by an individual on, on LinkedIn, and I, I won't mention her name, but she was talking about the stigma of her father's uh, lung cancer diagnosis. When something like 15, everybody that, that hears her father has lung cancer wants to blame it. Like, was he a smoker? What, what did he smoke? Um, like, that's the only cause of lung cancer. When that accounts for like a fraction of the lung cancer diagnoses in this country. And I get it because people are afraid. People don't want it to be, you know, I don't want to say bad luck and people don't want to hear bad luck. Um, so when people ask about Anna's diagnosis and, and, you know, we say a version of that, anybody could get this at any time. My wife has no, there's no, uh, um, pre-existing. There's nothing in her family. Maybe environmental, we could say that, but she did nothing. She was the she's the pinnacle of health. It's a mutation, and it can it can come to life by any kind of a trigger. And people hate hearing that because they want a reason, so then they can avoid it, or then they can feel like they have avoided it. And and there's a lot of there's a lot of literature now, there's a lot of awareness now that we could avoid it um, if we, if, if artificial shit wasn't so sewn into the fabric of our, uh, of our civilization now. But the air we breathe, the food we eat, the water we drink, everything is, has shit in it. Um, I totally, I'm sorry, that was a total tangent about cancer and about, uh, but they were trying to recuse her of responsibility and I get that. But bad, saying someone has, is something is bad luck, still a person can be unlucky or a person can be lucky. And I think that's bullshit because um, it still denotes a kind of responsibility. It still suggests a kind of responsibility. And I think... In regards to gratitude, especially in regards, I mean, comparing yourself and feeling, you know, jealous of someone else or, or comparing or, or using someone's success to somehow highlight your failure or lack of success, of course that's bullshit. But also, for all the, all the gratitude that my wife and I have and all the gratitude that we should have for a lot of what's happening despite these circumstances, we can't feel that gratitude based on how much worse other people have it. Because that's not gratitude. That's saying, oh man, thank God we're not them. And that's not, that's not, that's tainted, man, you know?
Um, I don't, what was my point? So we've seen like a lot and we've seen, uh, you know, a lot of people struggling and surviving. And I totally forgot my point and I don't know that I even had one. Um, oh man, it's just too much stuff. What was I talking about? Um, fighting ghosts. <laughs> yeah. Fighting ghosts, self-improvement, self-empowerment. So in the midst of all this, you know, watching all this and being around all this and being immersed in this world and meeting these incredible people who are like just doing anything they can to live and the people that take care of them and the professionals that have studied this and, and which you, you become aware of things. And oh, and I remember what I said was, I understand when people can't, when you don't go through something like this with, with eyes wide open, because sometimes you just can't because you're a human being. And sometimes it is, it's too much. There's that ridiculous saying that God doesn't give you anything, you know, God doesn't give you more than you can handle. And that's not true. And, you know, that obviously presumes the existence of a singular Christian God and believe I'm all for everything, uh, all the theisms, but uh, that's not true because some people have more, way more than they can handle. And that sucks. Um, but if you have the opportunity to really, we had the opportunity, we, we didn't have the opportunity to make, to waste a lot of time. Um, you know, we didn't really have time for a second opinion. We didn't have time to go back home to Durango and, and kind of strategically think about this. When we got the diagnosis, which was the Tuesday following 21st, December 21st, um, and, and our, her doctor proposed this, this chemo, the, this pediatric regimen of, of chemo for leukemia, uh, we were like, well, when would we start? And he was like, well, today would be. You know, he, he said, I don't want to, you know, sound dramatic, but you don't have time for a second opinion. And she didn't have time for a second opinion because she was maybe days away from a stroke, um, the way her, her blood numbers were. Um, leukemia affects the bone marrow, and the bone marrow is just responsible for producing all of the most important shit in the blood, uh, hemoglobin, white blood cells, platelets. Um, it's just like a fucking warehouse, like a factory of like the best, all the shit you need. And um, when leukemia develops in the bone marrow, it just takes up space. Um, a lot like old white people. Uh, sorry, <laughs> that's ridiculous. I am an old white person. Um, I'm so sorry to say that. Um, so we didn't have a lot of time to, to adjust. So we had to make a lot of decisions right then because it's life or death. Um, and life or death decisions are much easier than decisions that are not life or death. Like, uh, you know, I, I got divorced several years ago and in hindsight, uh, that was much harder, um, than this because the only way forward is whatever keeps her can like at this point, whatever, the only way forward is whatever keeps her cancer free. That's the only, those are the only, there's only one course of option. There's only one course of action. There's only, you know, only one set of options. Um, 
So we, we made some of those decisions quickly, but then we also had time. We had a moment to where we talked and we had to try to find a way to radically accept, to accept the circumstances and to see what these circumstances were going to show us. And I mean, you learn a lot right away just about, I mean, you talk about fighting ghosts in like one sense in like the idea that like, you have to keep working at self-improvement and self-empowerment even when it's so easy to be self-aware of your shit or of your conditioning and then never do anything about it because self-improvement, self-empowerment, actionable stuff past awareness is like fighting ghosts. I'm sorry, I'm getting parched because I've been talking so much and I'm so sorry, but I'm thankful if you're still listening. Um, but also there's fighting ghosts when we're expending emotional, mental, and physical energy battling things that aren't real or aren't there. And so that's another version of it. That's another whole other... And we did a lot of that. And one of the things that we learned in, in, in these circumstances is how much power we gave to things that don't matter, like status or the need to buy a house or worrying about what our email inbox looked like or a deadline. And not that these things don't matter in a certain context, but I'm telling you that they don't matter. Um, and the greatest lesson that I've learned from my, my wife, Anna, is that love and family and relationships matter. Those things matter. And that's, you know, they say you can't take it with you. And yes, you can't take it with you. You know, obviously we're talking about material possessions, but also that those little small things that maybe give you a brief moment of joy great brief moments of joy are important um you know my wife and i really like food so but beyond you know you when my grandfather died the last thing he asked the nurse was to make sure to take care of my grand like take care of my wife That's a, it's a thing that we take with us. I mean, you know, unfortunately we, there are instances where, you know, memory and, and, and brain function perhaps is not there, but our connections, our personal connections, the ones that really matter. And if you're in a fucking toxic friendship or a toxic relationship, trust me, first of all, you know it, you know, you are. So get out, which is, I know difficult. Um, but like the real toxic family too get out but family and love is all and we learned that a very and and we expended a lot of stress in our life we were very like two very like high we stress out easy 
and the some of the biggest that's some of the biggest lessons that we were learning is is that almost none of what used to stress us out really mattered um which is tough to take inventory of all that time and all that quality time that we kind of give over to that kind of stuff without thinking. Um, so what are my points here? Um, I don't know. Um, this is about survival and survival is possible and unfortunately it's possible under all circumstances which kind of sucks because people are enduring all kinds of insane circumstances uh my other point is fighting ghosts guys we'll talk about that more later that was just kind of a touchstone but uh um and then what was what was the other one i can't remember um what great content guys for this week um Honestly, um, thank you all very much uh, for allowing me this opportunity to get on the mic and just talk. Um, we we relocated to Denver, and I do talk to some friends um, via Zoom or on the phone. And I do have, honestly, some wonderful childhood friends. I'm from the Midwest, but uh, a trio of friends of mine from high school have ended up out here. Actually, from from earlier than that, we were like preschool friends, um, which is kind of incredible. And I've, I have my beautiful um, miracle of a wife. Um, and I have, I have you know, um, Rhea and her family. Um, I have my family. We have my wife's family. We have this un- incredible support network. But the, the, the kind of talking and talking about what's happened and what's happening, um, a journal is wonderful. Um, but having the opportunity to speak in this vacuum, uh, is something I'm really grateful for. So if you've listened or are listening, thank you so much. Um, if you could, uh, comment, rate or review this episode, subscribe to the podcast, the real story. Um, check out, uh, right way at rightwayco.com. W R I T E W A Y C O.com. We help aspiring writers become published authors. Um, and, uh, and, and finally email me, email us, um, with your thoughts about the podcast, about our, our, our change in thematic direction, about opening conversations, our conversations up to a much, uh, wider spectrum, uh, at podcast at rightwayco.com. Um, and we, we try to read as frequently as possible and we try to get back to as many emails as possible. Um, if it's later rather than sooner, we apologize. We're a small ship, um, but we, uh, we are cutting briskly through the water uh, when possible. Uh, thank you all so much and I hope you all have a, a wonderful week and um, thank you for listening. Thanks for listening to Right Way Presents The Real Story. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review, and comment. And for more information on The Real Story and Right Way, visit rightwayco.com.